Forces of evil, the globalist, the deep state, the cabal, the technocracy, the corrupt media want to divide and conquer us. Freedom-loving patriots, fellow fellow ultra-maga, mega-extremist Republican cult members, <laughs> and yes, those clinging to their guns and Bibles. I'm your host, Becca Marie, along with Stella Padilla, and you are listening to Freedom Speak. Check out our website, freedomspeaknm.com, where you can click on the radio replay link and listen to playbacks of any of our previous shows. And also check out the resource page. You can get the podcast of this show on SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and Apple iTunes. Want to send us your questions and comments? You can even send us an email during the show, and I will see it, and we will respond to it. The email address is becca at freedomspeaknm.com. And you can now listen and watch and watch us live every Friday morning, 9 a.m. to 12 noon. Complete with a call-in line so you can join the conversation. Easiest way to do that is just go to our website, freedomspeaknm.com, and click on the Rumble link. If you're listening to the replay on KDAZ Radio, thank you for tuning in. So i got a great show today lined up for you. Got a lot of things to talk about. Got a great guest in the studio. I want to talk a little bit about uh, money, namely other people's money, namely your money. I heard a story from a good friend about how someone they know was so proud of their 12-year-old daughter who was doing such a great job of caring for a stray animal she had found on their property. This person went on to say that their daughter loves to care for all kinds of animals and is so compassionate. Compassion for others is a great quality. But the question was asked of this friend, who's paying the vet bills for the animal? Who's paying for the food? To which the parent of this child, and also happens to be the person that was actually paying all these costs, didn't know how to respond. It's so easy to be compassionate and help others with other people's money. We all do that at some point with our children because when they are young, they have no concept of money and its value. They literally think it grows on trees. We, through raising our children, teach them the value of their hard-earned money. That is what we are supposed to do. I personally remember having a Kool-Aid stand in front of my parents' house, not really thinking about where the Kool-Aid came from or how much it costs. As I got older, started working to make money to buy things I wanted, I started to see that having things comes at a cost of having to work for them. I wasn't so quick to just spend money on anything that wasn't very important to me. 
I remember when I was a teenager and I wanted to have a nice shotgun so I could go hunting with my dad. I had a paper route, and I also did things like collect discarded soda bottles from the side of the road and return them for their deposits. It was a lot of work. By the way, people back then, thank goodness, they littered a whole lot. They, they literally threw glass pot bottles out of their car window onto the side of the road. They were all over the place. I collected them, and I cashed them in. Having that shotgun was really important to me, so I put one on layaway at a local gun store, and I paid it off a little at a time over the course of several months. When I finally got it paid off and took it home, it was something I really treasured because it was something I worked hard for, and it was truly mine. By the way, I still have that shotgun to this day. It's my favorite gun in my collection. (laughs) I'll never get rid of it. But the lessons we should have learned as children are forgotten rather quickly in the world of our U.S. government. Our government has gone back to their infancy notion that they have the power to spend other people's money. And let's be honest here, I am sure every single one of us can do that extremely well. It takes no special skill to spend other people's money. When you're spending other people's money, you're a lot less concerned about how good of a deal you're getting or whether it is something that you really need. Just think of what you could do and accomplish if you had an unlimited amount of taxpayer money, money which you did not personally invest your time and hard work into earning. How fun would that be? Money that you didn't have to claim to the IRS, money that you didn't have to be held accountable for, money that you, once you spend it, don't have to answer any questions about, money that your checkbook never sees and you're never held accountable for bouncing a check. Seriously, how fun would that be? Of course, you would donate a few charities uh, to make it look like you're caring for others. You may even start a foundation to raise money for needy people in other countries. Shoot, you may even give huge amounts of your money, (laughs) I say your money, to other countries to help protect themselves from big, bad neighboring countries. And how wonderful you would look helping so many people. I think that would be awesome to spend other people's money, don't you? In the United States, we have a select few who are doing exactly that. Many have made a career out of spending other people's money. Now, don't get me wrong. The U.S. government has the duty to spend its citizens' money on national defense, the protection of U.S. citizens. Let's see what the U.S. Constitution has to say about this. According to Article 1, Section 8 of the U.S. Constitution, the Congress shall have power to lay and collect taxes, duties, imposts, and excises to pay the debts and provide for the common defense and general welfare of the United States. But all duties, imposts, excises shall be uniform throughout the United States. Now, I'm sure that the meaning of common defense not to mention the meaning of general welfare, has been distorted to make you believe that also involves using the taxpayer's money to fund wars being fought by other countries. Not to mention the broad interpretation of what general welfare is supposed to mean. Many of you and many of our leaders think foreign aid makes America look good, or maybe it helps some reverence for the already greatest nation on the planet. 
Why did we give foreign aid at a cost of $3.97 billion to Afghanistan? $2.6 billion to Jordan. $1.47 billion to Egypt. $1.21 billion to Ethiopia. $1.18 billion to Iraq. $1.11 billion to Nigeria. $1.11 billion to South Africa. $965 million to Congo. <clears throat> we even give millions of dollars, billions of dollars to countries that hate us. Remember Trump talking about that? Now, spending $3.31 billion on Israel can probably be justified since they are a loyal ally on the world stage, and they play a large part in providing for our national defense. Many other countries our government gives money to would eliminate the U.S. in a heartbeat if they thought there was something in it for them. Our nation's national debt now far exceeds our gross national product, and about four four now get this number four hundred about four hundred billion dollars a year. Think about that four hundred billion dollars a year of our money is being thrown away just to pay the interest on the out of control debt. Is that unbelievable? Think about what you could buy for four hundred billion dollars. All while our government continues to spend more and more and continues to raise the credit limit. I'm going to call it credit limit because that's exactly what it is. That's like you having a credit card. You can't pay your bills. So you get more credit on your credit card so you can pay your bills with your credit card. To me, that is the sign of a very unhealthy situation. They do this so they can keep on spending like drunken sailors on ridiculous programs like the examples I'm going to give you of pet projects that redistribute our hard-earned tax money to things like, and we're going to talk about more of these examples too during the show. The federal government spent $146 million so that federal employees could upgrade their flights to business class. I guess flying coach like the rest of us peasants is just beneath them. The federal government paid $120 million in disability and retirement to dead federal employees. (laughs) Which raises the question, to whom did the money actually go? I'm sure we'll never find out. I'm guessing these dead employees also vote Democrat. What do you think? Medicare paid $35 million to 118 medical clinics in the United States that do not exist. These clinics were claimed by criminal organizations and used to defraud the government. Wow, is that a surprise? If only someone would follow the money here, I bet we would find money going from the criminals to politicians. But aren't they the same? Often these payouts are made by corrupt politicians in exchange for favors. And let's not forget how our government is funding the corrupt Ukrainian government with billions of dollars to fight a proxy war against Russia. Or how about corporations that are too big to fail? Or banks that are too big to fail? The list is so long that I could give you examples for days. Is any of this spending constitutional? That's what I wonder. Oh, how easy it is to spend other people's money, right? We're not supposed to be the U.S. taxpayer common house for the world. 
You're probably wondering what that word means. But in fact, what is what we have become? Oh, have you never heard of the common house in Plymouth in 1620? Remember when people first started coming to America? Let me tell you a little story about socialism on a small scale. For two years, every person had to work for everybody else, the community, not for themselves as individuals or families. That's right. We've tried using other people's hard work, time, compassion for others before. Did they live happily ever after in this socialist utopia? I don't know. Let's see. The common property approach killed off about half the settlers. They starved to death. Governor Bradford recorded in his diary that everybody was happy to claim their equal share of production, but production only shrank. Imagine that. People are willing to accept free stuff, but not necessarily willing to always work for it. Not out of the goodness of their heart. Slackers showed up late for work in the fields, and hard workers resented it. It's called human nature, people. The disincentives of the socialist scheme bred impoverishment and conflict until facing starvation and extinction. Bradford decided to alter the system. He divided common property into private plots, and the new owners could produce what they wanted and then keep or trade it freely. Sounds a lot like socialism was a total failure, and capitalism came to the rescue, right? Now that the socialists have taken over every element of our government and have created numerous agencies to impose their will on all of us, they can now use the unlimited legal power of the federal government, financed by your taxes, to cover up their crimes and attack their political enemies. They are not going to stop until they wipe out any remnant of freedom that is left. Remember the billions wasted during the scamdemic on unused ventilators, unused hospital ships, unused emergency hospitals, all while regular hospitals were mostly empty and doctors and nurses were being laid off? <clears throat> People we were being lied to during this entire situation. This was no mistake. Remember the phrase, never let a good crisis go to waste? Well, in this case, it was a manufactured crisis, and the result was increased government spending. By the way, it's not been reduced to pre-pandemic levels. Oh, no, since when does increased spending ever get reduced? And moving us ever closer to the new world order that they really desire. But the bigger problem is not the money that goes out and the loss of freedom. It is that most people, that is most U.S. citizens, don't even know this is going on. Our heads are in the sand just trying to live the American dream. Remember I talked about the American dream a couple weeks ago. Slowly, ever so slowly, the nonstop flow of your money to other countries, some of which hate us, Government leaders' pockets, many of which are corrupt, and pet projects will put a stop to that American dream you didn't even fight for. Maybe that's why so many people don't appreciate the American dream. They don't have to earn it. (laughs) 
Our government is giving away money with no respect for where it came from. They have a child's mentality similar to me when I was selling Kool-Aid in front of my parents' house. Or like the girl that is taking in stray animals with no concept of the money her parents are spending to feed and care for them. I think that's a fantastic analogy, don't you? Hope you all like that one today. I would love to spend everybody else's money. I mean, I would be real good at it, I think. I, I think I think everybody would be really good at that, don't you think, Stella? Mm, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, hold, on, hold on, I'll bring you in right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> I know, that's good. So um, I have with us in the studio to, uh, today as our guest, Janice Arnold-Jones, and I'm going to bring up her mic now so you can hear her. Janice. Marty. What's going on? Hey, I, I, you know, what a great topic on your monologue. And I wish more people truly understood where the money goes uh, and, and what the percentages are. And as a former legislator, what a bitter pill it was to learn that there is mandatory spending and then there's discretionary spending. And I had very little influence over the mandatory spending. And it is a huge chunk. Huge. Huge. I know. I, the, you know, I, when I did a little bit of research on this and I came up with that, that number of $400 billion a year just in interest oh, payments, a- oh my God. A- absolutely true. But when you, so let, let me, because you, you made some excellent points about uh, funding to other countries that hate us, which is about 0.26% of the entire budget or about $14 billion. That's the total which is nothing compared to the $7 trillion, which is our budget. And in that, the majority of that money goes to Social Security, welfare programs, and uh, Medicaid, the majority of it. And that was, so let's talk about how did that happen? Yeah, let's do it. How did that happen? Why did Roosevelt decide that we needed to have mandatory Social Security, which is taking your money and giving it to people who may not have earned it. And is that good for us? Uh, And so, and now I'm certainly of age, I have no choice. I must sign up for Medicare. I have no choice. Is that good for us? You know, I'm coming up on that myself, believe it or not, Janice. I, <laughs> I'm way ahead of you there. But, but in terms of being a society like the parents that you talked about, were they doing a service to their children by simply saying, oh, yeah, the Kool-Aid doesn't cost anything, so you're making a boatload of money with no cost? Well, you know, Janice, I look back on that, and I'm, and I'm thinking about, okay, it's, like it's kind of like when I learned how to fly an airplane. Okay. Um, my my instructor was wanting me to do all this radio work and then also pay attention to the instruments and the and flying the plane and all that stuff. It was overwhelming. Oh my god! And it's like, and I told him, I says, you know, can we can I focus on the flying part right now? And then as soon as I get a little, develop a little muscle memory for that and get a little more comfortable with it, then I can start. I can fade in the you know, kind of like operating the studio. <laughs> like, and, and so I, Except I, you don't have an automatic horizon here. I Nothing know. to help you. <laughs> no. And so. 
I uh, was uh, thinking about that, and it's like, okay, so what I was learning uh, when I was selling the cool, and by the way, we we actually added popcorn into that, too. I remember that from that. <laughs> like, mom, mom, you always listen, so thank you for doing that for me. Um, but anyway, so I was learning the part of being an entrepreneur at that part of, like, the selling part, being a salesman, you know, it's like selling. And, and I did, you know, sold a lot of Kool-Aid and popcorn. And then later on, then I started to get the, understand the value of, of the finances behind all of that. So eh, I, it might have been a little overwhelming to do it all at the same time, maybe. I, I don't know. But, but I, think, I think there's a lot of adults out there that are actually politicians that never learned how to manage money. And I think that maybe it's because a lot of these people have never had a normal job. They've been politicians their entire life. That's why we don't want career politicians, I think. Uh, but you're right. There is a cost to making money. I don't care how you slice it. There is a cost, whether it is in goods, and goods, whether it is in services. There is a cost. And when you are talking about revenue, that is not the same as profit. And, and that is the one thing I will tell you at the legislature there is great confusion over the difference between revenue and actually making money. Very different. So, by the way, guys, I want to uh, remind you that the phone lines are open. If you want to call in, you want to comment on the topic, heck, if you want to ask Janice, uh, Janice a question, you can do that, too. 505-444-5059. Um, give us a call, or you can, and I'm watching your, your messages on Facebook and Twitter and Rumble right now. Michael, thanks for, uh, thanks for watching this morning. Um, and uh, you can even shoot us an email if you want to. I mean, I got my email up and running, too. I got all kinds of stuff going on here. So um, anyway. You, you have toys. Do you know, I, so I, I don't know if you knew that I had an audio and video production company. No, I didn't know that. Oh, oh yes. It ran for 20 years in California. And my partner's uh, mantra, and, and he lived by, he who has the most toys wins. And I think you're in the running. I think so, too. <laughs> <laughs> Stella, you look like you were going to yes, say something. Yes, I want to get back to the Social Security thing. Uh, you know, they, they say that uh, uh, Biden wants to give the Ukrainians Social Security. You know, he wants to pay them Social Security for whatever God knows reason. But we've been paying um, immigrants Social Security any for a long time. I worked for immigration for a while. And people say, like from India, they'd come down, the, the children would, the adult children would come down, they would become U.S. citizens, then they would fly their parents over to get their green card. And as soon as they got their green card, then they qualified for Social Security when they had never worked a day in their life. They went back to India, and the kids would just take their money when they came in the bank, automatically deposit, and send it to them in India. So they're living very well in India on Social Security, that money that they never earned. So I'm saying, what's the difference between that and wanting to give all of Ukraine Social Security? Not much difference, is it? Well, I mean, well, Ukraine is a big. I think it's a bigger project if all of them are going to get it. Where this just the the you know immigrants that came down here and became citizens and then brought their parents over and just for just till they got their green card, then they went back home and they just shipped in their money home to live very comfortably. I say, but this gets back to Margaret Thatcher. Yeah. Uh, you know, all of this is great until we run out of everybody else's money. Mm -hmm. And and then there is nothing. I mean, this is like a house of cards. Yeah, we already ran out of everybody else's money. We're living on, on interest. Interest. <laughs> interest alone. 
Pretty much, pretty much, yeah. Or you know, and there, there's the other aspect too. Like I mentioned uh, in the open, that people when they feel like, well, I'm, I'm, you know, carrying all the weight here, and you've got, I've got all these bunch of losers and slackers that are just, you know, cruising along and and living off of my, what I have earned. It disincentivizes those that are the producers. Absolutely, it does. <clears throat> and the risk takers. And again, I will go back to. It takes money to make money, and you have to understand that part, there is a balance there. And revenue is not the same as profit. And profit is what helps propel the entrepreneur. And without it, there is no reason to even bother. And the, the politicians don't understand that. They just know how to spend it. They don't about earning. They have no clue about earning it. Just spending it. Well, I I, I will take issue with that statement. I'm not even <laughs> sure they know how to spend it, uh, because the years that in New Mexico that the legislature has the most money, it is the worst sessions because they don't know how to spend it, mm. and and then they don't follow up and get it spent, which is really an interesting issue. How do you have money, and you've appropriated it, but it's not spent. It's Hmm. not put to use. And does that happen at the federal government? Uh, Clearly, yes. Clearly, yes. Well, you know, this all started like many, many years ago in which they justified, you know, like I I saw Rand Paul on the House of of Congress the other day talking about something about a story about Davy Crockett. You know, Davy Crockett was in Congress. And he was talking about how uh, Davy Crockett was telling these other people in Congress that, well, you know, this city, they had, I think it was a fire or something, I don't remember, and a lot of people lost their stuff. And he was trying to say that, well, we, I think we need to appropriate some money to help relieve these people that were involved in this disaster. And there was a guy who was talking to Davy Crockett. It's like, you know, I used to support you, but I don't now because you, you don't have the right to determine just redistributing money to to people for things it's like yes i feel bad for these people yeah i i mean any any person with any compassion at all would feel bad for somebody that's suffering but at the same time it's not your money to redistribute and the constitution is very clear on what money what the government can spend money on well once they they justified something that cost thousands of dollars now they're into things that are costing billions of dollars it's like you know you open the door to to it, and then the floodgates are open, and now they're just spending money on whatever they want. I, I, absolutely, <clears throat> and I will go back to two big items: Social Security and Medicare, and they take the majority of the budget. Uh, and and what are what are we getting from this? Are we getting people who uh, do not feel like they have to work? That are we getting their creativity? We're not. Yeah, well, and the thing is, is that Social Security was supposed to be something that we were all paying into, and it was supposed to go, and it, you know yeah. what, realistically, what it should have been is it should have been going into an escrow account right at the beginning, but no, they put it into general fund, and they spent it for other stuff. They spent it for pet projects, which, in my opinion, were to buy votes. Well, I'm saying, and we'll say thank you, Lyndon Johnson, Yeah, uh, because they, he actually uh converted the Social Security dollars and put it in the fund, quite frankly, to fund yet a different war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Vietnam. Yeah. And, you know, I'm starting to think that uh, the government loves wars. And, and we're going to talk about, too, these big money management companies. Yes. I think they love wars, too. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, 
that's the end of the first segment. Um, in the next segment, I would like to talk a little, you know, I kind of touched on some of the ridiculous things that the federal government spends our tax money, taxpayer money on. And then I want to talk a little bit about uh, these, this thing going on in Albuquerque where they're wanting to put homeless people in private residences. <laughs> Janice has some information on that. So we'll be right back. You're listening to Freedom Speak with Becca Marie and Stella. Don't go anywhere. Have you been wanting to do a podcast but don't have a studio? We can produce your show here at Freedom Speak. We can even do commercials and PSAs. Your podcast here at Freedom Speak Studio would be complete with professional audio and video and we'll stream it to your favorite platform. All you have to do is show up and talk. We do the rest. For details, email us at becca at freedomspeaknm.com. Interested in getting your concealed carry permit? Perkins Protection Training offers state-approved concealed carry classes for both New Mexico and Utah, taught by a certified NRA instructor, local woman-owned and ran by husband-wife team since 2004. Individual coaching ensuring every student learns according to their individual needs, complete with pre-class and follow-up tutoring. One-on-one, beginner, and advanced classes also available. Mention KDAZ for 10% off class. Call 505-238-1214. That's 505-238-1214 or on the web at PerkinsProtectionTraining.com. Are you a small business with unique skills that believes it can bring value to Sandia or our other national labs and would like to grow your national lab contract portfolio? Then listen up. Working with any of the national labs can be overwhelming. From the lengthy terms to the bureaucratic red tape, it can feel like these labs don't want to work with small businesses. Nothing could be further from the truth. They want and need exceptional small businesses to be part of their supply chain. I can help you. My name is Asa Bortz Johnson, owner of Sandia Consulting Group. I spent 10 years as a subcontract manager at Sandia Labs and can help you navigate the bureaucracy. My central objectives are to increase your firm's probability of winning a contract, minimize your administrative burden, shorten the time frame from proposal to purchase order, and maximize your firm's profit. Give me a call at 505-362-3499 or go to my website at sandiaconsultinggroup.com. Schedule your no-cost meet and greet to discuss how Sandia Consulting Group can support your mission. That is if you are watching us live on Friday morning. 
can also message us. Uh, we are streaming live on Twitter, Rumble, and Facebook, and you can message us through those platforms if you want to. You can also send us an email at Becca at freedomspeaknm.com. We're monitoring all of that stuff during the show uh, so that you can interact with us. We got our guest Jan- Janice Arnold Jones with us today, and uh, she's got some really interesting um, knowledge on some topics that I she's going to share with us um, that I think is very interesting. You know, we've been talking about I talked about started off the show with about other people's money. Okay, how easy it is to spend other people's money, and. I had somebody a while back uh, mention to me about something going on in Albuquerque, and I've been having a real t- hard time finding any information on it. Well, apparently Janice has a lot of information on it, so we're going to talk about it. This whole thing where the city of Albuquerque wants to put homeless people in people's private homes. Now, I, I don't get – how does that work, Janice? I Let's talk about that. Well, I would say that that is probably um, an overstatement. Okay. Um, And so we have just gone through and the city council decided to um, make permissive use for accessory dwelling units. And I'm going to make everybody's eyes rolls because here are a couple of acronyms. Okay. IDO. Integrated Development Ordinance. Okay, that's, what is that? That's the zone, yeah. the the uh, zoning code that was developed under R.J. Berry, and uh, you know there were lots of zones in the city of Albuquerque. This was supposed to make it easier, better, well, not. Uh, and so, inside the zoning code is um, something that they want to add textually. That means this is not the you poor dumb citizens get no say in this because it's textual. Uh, textual. Textual. Yes. What does textual mean? It means that it was uh, ri- it was not a proposal, but it was a written amendment. That's what that means. That, I love me, it's, it, that speaking mm. English. That's what that means. Yeah. And so we have accessory dwelling units or casitas. And in certain parts of our city, we already have this. But what was being argued in the housing forward uh, by the mayor and uh, my city councilor, Tammy Fubelcorn, is that by having permissive uh, construction of accessory dwelling units, we would uh, increase housing and reduce the cost of rent. And so fewer people would be unhoused. Now, here's a little problem with that. Okay. Uh, one, uh, an accessory dwelling unit is limited. Uh, and, and oh, I want you to know there's some really good details here. Uh, you do get a bathroom, but you can't have a real kitchen. But you do get to have a microwave or something similar. Okay. Um, Hot plate? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. What? Just not a kitchen. Uh, not really. Not really. Um, what do they define a kitchen as? Uh, something with, I think, with a stove uh, or an oven. Okay. And so, anyway, okay. Uh, so these accessory dwelling units uh, would go on private property and they would no longer go through the zoning application because you don't need to tell your neighbors about this. And so, there are a few things in there that actually make it not awful, but it's not great. So, height is limited. So if you have a if you have a single story house and you want a casita in your backyard, um, then it has to be the same height as your main house. Uh, it has to be set back five feet either from the side or from the back of the property line, 
And the only good thing that happened Monday, uh, Wednesday night at City Council is that, in fact, you have to provide parking. Because they had said that, oh, there's plenty of parking. Uh, in order to deal with workforce housing, we don't need to provide parking because they're going to take the bus. Which is why I was just fussing at Stella that they are canceling bus routes daily and they don't tell anybody. Excuse me, how do you expect to support the workforce if they cannot count on transportation being timely? Can you say, let's be late three days in a row because the bus didn't come? What are you going to yeah. do as an well, employer? You're going to fire them. Of course so, you are. So tell me, why are they canceling? Um, they're canceling the route altogether, like permanently? No, it's no? just kind of on a daily basis. Just a daily, oh, we're not going to do this one today. Right. right? And, and I know that uh, with free, <laughs> the free buses now, they are having real issues keeping bus drivers. Because who wants to be abused and who wants to uh, run a route where people are on the bus all day and then they don't get off? Because it's air conditioned and, and so forth. You know, there's no, you know, some of the choices to spend other people's money has resulted in people doing that and not doing anything. So I have a question about that, that they want you to build a casita or maybe a second story. Above. Is that so that you'll be responsible for their actions? Because if they're on your property, you'll be responsible. Like right now, if you rent a house and they're selling drugs out of that house, you're going to have problems there. Well, so if they're, if they're in your property, you're responsible for I'm them? I would say, but this is the misnomer. There is no effort whatsoever to provide casitas for homeless, unhoused individuals. And there had been discussion that, oh, this will reduce rents and, and, and oh, we'll only let family members use this. Horse hockey. What do you think is going to happen with these casitas? They are, they are all going to be rentals. And that is exactly what is permitted. It is, there is, this was one of the biggest ruses I think I've ever seen. Uh, do we still have a homeless issue? Absolutely. And in the Housing Forward project, what was also approved was the conversion of hotels and some other buildings. All, all, all of that is good. But this casita piece is what may well destroy neighborhoods. And so my friends in Borellas, there are some that already have casitas in the backyard. But to allow developers to come in and literally yank your historic home from under your family and then put in either a duplex or a casita, and rent it out for higher rents than the neighbors, how does this help anybody? Okay, so... Does so that make me. sense to you? Okay, here's what I'm trying to figure out. By the way, MOA 515 on Rumble, I'm watching you. I see your messages. They, they, they said, oh, do you see my messages? Yes, I see you. Thank you for watching. I, uh, the, what I had been hearing about this is that this is not voluntary, that the government's going to swoop in and say, yes, you must do this on your property. And that, didn't, that just didn't sound right to me. And it's like, and, you know, people, they put these stories out and they don't verify them. And it's like, I can't find any verification on this. And not only that, but it, I was also told, yeah, they're even going to make you build a second story onto your house. It's like, really? That just doesn't sound right. It's like, so this is completely voluntary. This isn't anything they're going to they're going to impose on people, it, right? It is completely voluntary. Okay. And, oh, by the way, you have to have the money to build this. And so I don't know of a casita that is going to cost you less, roughly speaking, right this minute, uh, 750 square feet, which is the maximum uh -huh. size, about $80,000. Yeah, 
Yeah. That to build it from the ground. And so in terms of uh, fixing our homeless unhoused problem, how quickly do you think we're going to build a whole bunch of casitas? Um, not too quickly, but there you go. I was, I was going to say, if they're if you're paying for it, then this is your property. If the little homeless situation doesn't work there, then you can oust them or whatever, and then rent it as a casita to somebody that can't afford it, or that will take care of their property. Or I would say it's a homeless. Really, when you get right down to it. This has nothing to do with homeless individuals. People who are having trouble paying rent does nothing. It does absolutely nothing. But it does allow property owners who would like to make an additional income uh, to do so. Yeah. And, and to say that we don't have casitas or accessory dwelling units in other parts of the city. That is not true. Mesa del Sol is actually zoned for every piece of property to have a casita. Uh, there are areas around uh, downtown and uh, the university area that already have, actually most of them started out as converted garages that became apartments. Those are already there. These are going to hit mostly neighborhoods that have slightly larger lots um, and these are established neighborhoods that people went in and bought a single family home. And they bought a single family home because they wanted kids in a yard with a dog. Mm -hmm. And this is actually going to change much of the complexion of those neighborhoods. Well, but if it's voluntary, you say it's not, it's not mandatory <clears throat> in any way? It, it is not mandatory. Uh, and it is not going to be a quick fix it won't be any fix, in my opinion, to the homeless issue because we have, uh, we we do have a shortage of uh, low cost apartments. That is absolutely a true statement, mm -hmm. but that is this isn't going to fix that either. Because if you're going to put a casita in your backyard and spend eighty grand or a little bit more to build that, would you rent it to somebody who is likely going to trash that property? Exactly. No. 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 Why? Why? I mean, so, I, <clears throat> I've had rental property before, and it's like what you want to do, ideally, is you want to run a background check on them. You want to make sure, first of all, that they're going to pay their rent, uh, that they've got a, you know, hopefully a history of paying rent on time with somebody previously. And not only that, but yeah, you want to make sure there's somebody that's going to have a little respect in the property and not, not destroy it. Right, right. You know? And so let me give the backstory of someone else's money of what is happening in Albuquerque. We have companies, rental companies and developers coming in and buying up single family homes in particular and turning them into rentals. And in order to make all of that make sense, what happens to the rent? It is escalating exponentially. Mm -hmm. That's part of the problem. And yet, we have enough demand that people will pay those rents, but then there is a growing number of individuals who are unhoused. Now, are they being sent here from other cities? I will tell you, yes, they are. Mm -hmm. And then we have a certain population of unhoused uh, homeless people who they have money. 
They have Social Security. They have Medicare. They have accounts. But they choose to live on the streets because they don't like rules. You know, I've talked to some of these people, Janice, and there is a large number of these people that they're in that situation because they want to be in that situation. Yes. They don't. You're, you're, you made a point. They don't like rules. They don't like responsibility. Just kind of like I don't like going to a nine to five job every day. We were talking about that before <laughs> the show today. I feel trapped, you know. Right. <clears throat> and if you were to take that to the extreme... I can see how somebody could say, could look at that, at just living on the street and just doing whatever you want from day to day, not answering to anybody, not having to show up anywhere, not having any bills to pay. That could look like freedom to a lot of people. Sure. I, I can see that. And, and I've talked to some of these people on the street, and that is the way they look at it. It's like, you know, a lot of them, they've just had it with, with living the traditional way. And so here's where the rub comes in. Uh, And as you know, we have encampments. uh, And if you go downtown, those encampments include the sidewalks. And so I, as a pedestrian, have to walk out in the street. So there are publicly shared facilities. At what point are those encampments trampling on my rights for publicly shared facilities? Well, here's the thing that I, and by the way, that's my mom, by the way, that's watching on Rumble. Mom, thanks for watching. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, mom. (laughs) (laughs) She she loves my show. Anyway, so here's the thing I don't understand is that we allow these encampments to go on. People putting up tents on public sidewalks and and putting up tents uh, along... Uh, you know, right away is long roads and things like that. I thought that was illegal. I didn't think I didn't think you were allowed to do that. And 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 the thing is, I thought there used to be vagrancy laws, uh, in which well, I don't care what your situation is. Uh, you 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 know, kind of like what I talked about in my opening monologue. It's like yes, I feel for your situation. Um, although some of these people, like we said, they are they are in that situation because they want to be. There's no reason you should feel sorry for them. They're living they're living the dream the way they want to live it. Um, but the thing is, is when they're like camping out on the sidewalks in front of people's homes and people in front of people's businesses, they're killing the property values. I mean, if I if I'm if I'm looking for a space to set up a business or whatever, um, let's say I want to get a bigger studio. You know, we're we're really crammed in here, by the way. Um, and 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 I go to a place and there's a bunch of tents out front. Am I going to rent that piece of property? Heck, no. That's right. like, is this is my is my business going to get broken into when I'm not there? I don't know. It, and it's not just the properties on Channel 13. Like a year ago, there was a lady that came and said that she didn't know how to get this woman out of her backyard, and she had a beautiful landscape backyard. The homeless right. person loved it. Set up her tent there, and she said, "I told her to get away. This is my house. I was gone for a few days. I came back. She set up here, and I said, you need to leave.' And she said, "You need to make me." So she called the police, and they said, "Well, we can't make her leave, but you can take her to court and see how if you the court can be so- like your property isn't." yours anymore let, let me just I, I my blood is boiling here yes and, and I you need to put this squarely where it belongs Mayor Keller has instructed the police to ignore vagrancy laws we actually have these laws mm-hmm. you have a right to use the city sidewalk these are shared facilities but they have instructed the police not to enforce any of those laws whatsoever. And even, you know, and it has been bugged me. I have been grousing about this for years. Panhandlers on the medians. You know, over 10 years ago, the fire department would do a fill the boot project where Mm -hmm. they would stand in the medians with their boot 
was I remember used that. for great. Mm-hmm. Well, they were told you cannot do that because it is A, unsafe, B, it obstructs the vision of our drivers. You may not do that, but it's okay to let people take their dog on the median. And, and they re, actually, the direction to the police department is they may not do anything. And even, even with the 15 medians that have been targeted by the city as being too narrow, do you think that they are saying you have to leave? And the answer is, is they are not. Is, I, I just, and, and it just, I guess I would go back to, this is like broken windows. You've got to fix it at the lowest level. And this, this is crazy stuff. I, and and does, it, does it impact property values? You know, and I just want to just throw in a plug for, I didn't think Don's doors and windows were going to make it. You know, they were down by Coronado Park. Oh, my gosh. Every day, even before they could open, they had to clean the entrance and the exit in the in the back of the building because of pee and poop. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is not civilized. Are we doing anything nice? And so, so I'm going to go back to this population mm-hmm. who is living. I mean, they have. I trust me, they have money, but they don't like rules. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So where are we if they don't like rules? But we are a constitutional republic. We do have rules. And mm-hmm. part of it is that we live together respecting those rules. Is that respectful when it takes my right to the public property? Mm-hmm. I well, rest my, my diatribe. Well, <laughs> you know, and we had a discussion about this the other day at a meeting we had at the uh, Bernalillo County Republican Party. Um, we were talking about rules. And talking about rules are a good thing if they if everybody has to follow them exactly and because they they make for a, an orderly society it makes for a better place for everybody to live in and unfortunately you've got these people like uh, mayor keller these bleeding heart liberals that's what i like to call them bleeding heart liberals um and they think that oh well the law doesn't apply to them because they're you know they they've got a bad situation going on or they they have you know, like like people that commit crimes oh but it's not their fault they had a, a bad childhood growing up you know and and they're doing all of this because they had a bad childhood so we let them off you know like well you know Hunter Biden he he apparently is going to get that whole thing is going to get saying, swept but, under the are rug. Are we going to just slap his wrist a little bit and yeah. say bad, bad, and bad, Hunter? I say, but it's okay. Anybody else in your situation, you would not be allowed to have a weapon of any sort. But he's special. He's special. Sorry, Sorry. it's not I, just the weapon, and it's not just the weapon. It was everything else he did. I mean, all the insider trading and all the, I mean, all the bribes they took, all the human trafficking of little girls and everything. It's not just the weapon. It was everything he got. A little slap in the wrist. He's the president's son. Let him. He's fine. How annoying is that for everybody that, I mean, nobody in in the public could get away with any of that, but they get away with everything. Well, we definitely have a two-tier justice system going on here, and it's yes. like uh, you know there are rules, but they're not being followed. And I, 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 I really don't know. And and there should be penalties for politicians that that break rules themselves. I mean, Mayor Keller is breaking rules. Well, He's breaking the law by not enforcing the law, in my opinion. Right. And, and, and suspending these laws and telling the police department to systematically ignore rules and laws that they are sworn to uphold. I just like uh, telling the police don't don't worry about any red light runners in Albuquerque. 
This hurts everybody, you know. I, I, but I'm a real fan of traffic. Really, laws. they've they've said that. Oh yeah. Really. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I, and, and so speeders. So every once in a while, you will see that they will set up uh, a speed, sort of a speed trap on Montgomery right. to mm-hmm. deal with the racers. Yeah. Well, but what about the rest of the time? And it is true that we have so p- few police officers now that traffic enforcement is low level. Um, but people who are actually calling for assistance because somebody is kicking in their front door, well, you're really lucky if it's an hour and a half. And I don't put that on the police being slow and lazy. They are overworked and they don't have the staff. That's what I see. And the rules are lately there. There are no rules. Right, right. Mm-hmm. You know, I remember when Old Town, when they were taking down that Onata statue, he told the police to stand back, and they were all in little school bus vans behind the park, and they were all standing there watching until they heard a shot. They didn't. They were not allowed to interfere. They let. They could tear down the statue, curse, do whatever the insanity they were doing, and they said, "Just stand back and let them have their way." Right. So th- there is kind of a funny wrinkle with the police and with individuals. So there is no requirement for the police to protect you. That's right. Um, and, and there is actually no requirement for the police to protect public property. Uh, on the other side, if somebody is committing vandalism on pro- public property, then they can enforce it. But in this case, they were told to stand down. I, can you imagine trying to be a police officer in that narrow scope of enforcing the law? Uh, it's kind of like you'd want to throw up your hands. Mm-hmm. You know, I could, an example of that was uh, we were at Walmart one night at midnight because we had to go out of town and didn't have a few, uh, like, shampoos and stuff. We had to go down there and get them. And this person was coming at us and saying, he, he was obviously not a store employee. And he goes, I want to see your receipt. And he said, who are you? And he started this big argument with us and wouldn't let go of our baskets. And I kicked him and everything, and he wouldn't let go. And, and my friend was videotaping it. And the security guard is standing right there. And I'm looking at him like, get this guy away from us. And he would just stand there. So I said, I'm going to call the police. So I did call the police. They took 15 minutes to get there. We're struggling with this drunk this whole time. And he sees the cops driving up and then he jumps up and drives away. And I told him, well, the security guard did nothing. The security guard driving around outside did nothing. And he goes, and if we'd have been here, we could do nothing either about him harassing you and all that. We're just here to clean up whatever's if you got shot or something. But we can't help you. We're not here to protect you. And I go, well, then what's your job? Why do you get paid? He goes, well, we don't really have to protect you at all. I, you know, and, and that is a very, uh, it's it's an odd concept. Uh, and, and so one of the things, I have a friend who has a neighbor who has uh, truly got a problem. And they have threatened her multiple times with, with a gun. And finally, he has been arrested. Um and he has got a restraining order. He's not supposed to talk, speak, yada, yada, yada. Um, but there is nothing to defend my friend. Nothing. And, in fact, she's a neighbor, so she's a sitting duck. But let me go back to your monologue mm-hmm. about what we've just described. So, as a business owner, is it your job to provide the ex- extra security just 
so that you can do business, or is that a reasonable expectation? Because the city is not enforcing the laws. Of public money providing police security. Well, the owner of our building, the Peterson Properties, they paid, I think, 130000 a month for security because um, the people go in there and take the copper out of the building, so now they don't have any wiring in there. And they destroy the property constantly. Calling the police does no good at all. So now they have to pay all this outrageous money every month for Every month, and I, I will just say, I'll put a plug in, Doug Peterson for mayor. Come on. Yeah, come, come on, on. Doug. <laughs> yeah, I love Doug Peterson. <laughs> somebody, somebody other than, uh, than, than you know, Mayor Keller. I mean, was, that, and and that, he's, he's going to run for a third term. We better, by golly, find some good candidates. I thought they could only do two terms. Not for me. You know, that's not true. No? City council is, that's true, but there was a challenge. Do you remember when Marty Chavis ran for the third term? I don't remember. Well, yeah, he did, so... Yeah, and and our county commission, uh, and actually, and I take that back. Even our city councilors are not term limited. Mm-hmm. So, you know, which is why Ike Benton has been there forever. Liberal policies are destroying this country. Yes, you know, ma'am. it's like I I think that you should. Uh, well, you have a constitutional right to be able to protect your own property. I mean, yes. it is constitutional that you have a right to, to life, liberty, property. You have a right to protect your property. But now they're saying, oh, well, no, uh, if you protect your property, uh, we're going to charge you with with, an, with assault or something like that. And not only that, and yet they're, t- well, you're not allowed to protect your property. But now they're telling the cops, well, uh, it's not our job to protect you. And then they want to take away our guns also. So. This well, is a mess. I, I was saying this is like this my, is protecting the criminals. My my friend who said, well, if if he's got a weapon and it looks like he's going to shoot, if if I use my weapon and shoot and actually shoot him, I says, well, then we're going to take you to jail. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. what they'll do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is, uh, but they cannot do anything until this bad neighbor harms her. That's this is crazy. It may be too late. You might be dead after they harm you. Well, yes. like, like these, the police officer said, we're here to clean up the mess afterwards, not to protect you in any way. I mean, that was like a slap in the face. You yes. know, like, what do you mean? Why is my tax dollar paying you then to patrol the streets? It should just be the wild, wild west and all of us handle it the best way we can. But no, we're not allowed to be defending ourselves, our property. Right. And, and, this will add to this is why we need to take all the guns away because it's the guns that are bad. Absolutely. It's those guns. <laughs> they're, they're vicious. I, I, you know, it drives <laughs> me crazy sorry. when they call it gun violence. No, the guns do not commit violence. Not a bit. Guns are not violent at all. Yes. You know, or like this thing with the whole pistol brace thing. I, you know, we've got these morons like Joe Biden and these other politicians. Pamela Herndon? That, huh? Pamela Herndon? Pamela Herndon. Oh, um, oh, oh. This is the, now we're going to lock up all of our guns. This is the gun bill that passed the legislature. Let's talk about that after the break. Okay. What do you think? <laughs> all right. Um, yeah, let's talk about that. Um, anyway, so um, don't go anywhere. After the break, we'll talk about that. And I want to talk about um, a little bit of information about, you know, I've been I've been talking about this, this war in Ukraine, about how I think it's a money laundering operation and a lot of other things. And I want to talk about these this BlackRock thing. I've got a really great clip that I want to play that we're going to talk about. I, I've always thought that BlackRock was like behind all the wokeness on these corporations and stuff, but I have a theory that they might be behind almost everything. So you can be the judge. You're listening to Freedom Speak with Becca, Maria, and Stella. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Miracle. 